From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller. The Senate Judiciary Committee will begin confirmation hearings on September 4th for Brett Kavanaugh, President Trump's pick to replace Anthony Kennedy on the Supreme Court. Democrats are pushing for a delay, arguing that Kavanaugh could now face a conflict of interest in that he could sit in judgment of the president if the legal issues swirling around his administration reach the court. To fill us in, I have Todd Ruger here. He's CQ's Supreme Court reporter. So, Todd, do you think the Democrats have a case here for a delay? Well, they are certainly making a case for delay. The first thing that they're talking about are the the way that the documents are being presented uh, about Judge Kavanaugh's past. You know, the, the Senate Judiciary Committee's role in this is to review review this lifetime appointment for the top court, could be spending decades making decisions that influence the, the social, economic, uh, political wins of this country. And they say, we want to know all we can about this, this uh, nominee who's, who's going to be in that spot. Uh, the Republicans haven't requested all of the documents from Kavanaugh's past that the Democrats want them to, to get. The reason is there's, there could be as much as a million documents from Kavanaugh's time when he worked in the White House, first as a White House counsel for George W. Bush, George w. Bush administration, first as the White House counsel, and second for um, as the staff secretary. And uh, uh, Senator Charles Grassley, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, did not ask for any of the documents from his time as staff secretary. Those would be hundreds of thousands of documents, and the Democrats say, you're just trying to rush this through because Senator Mitch McConnell, the the majority leader, has said we're going to get a vote before October 1st on this nominee. But Todd, what about the conflict of interest issue? You had the president's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, pleading guilty to campaign finance charges this week and implicating the president in payoffs made to two women who'd accused him of having affairs. And you have the Robert Mueller investigation proceeding. You had Paul Manafort, the president's former campaign manager, pleading uh, or found guilty in court of some personal uh, violations related to loans he'd taken out. And this is presumably leading towards some pressure uh, on the Russia investigation that could reach the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, so the so the Democrats have brought up this issue, it, first of all, in the committee and also on TV in the airwaves. They're really pressing that that this could be a conflict of interest. The uh, Republicans already have a response and have already shut that that down. They basically say, look, uh, the, the, the president of the United States, who he, Donald Trump is still the president, has a constitutional role, which is to appoint an ex-Supreme Court justice. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that, oh, if he's under investigation, you can't, you can't uh, confirm that, that or he's not supposed to do that role. Uh, there's nothing that uh, he's not under uh, indictment yet. There's, there's no impeachment charges. And, and so his constitutional role is to appoint and our constitutional role is to confirm or you know, consider advice and consent. And we're going to move forward. Uh, Senator Charles Grassley said, um, you know, this is what these what hearings are for. You air these issues out but we're still gonna have the hearing on September 4th. So in terms of whether this is gonna get a delay, the Democrats might argue that, but it's just not gonna practically happen. Okay, you mentioned this issue of an indictment. That's the issue that could reach the court, right? I mean, impeachment is a political process that goes through Congress. But there's a question out there about whether uh, special counsel Robert Mueller could indict the president. Like like many parts of the Trump administration, there, there are a lot of sort of black holes of law where 
Um, nobody has really settled these issues about what can happen uh, when uh, a president is in legal trouble. The Justice Department has previously issued guidance that says that a president can't be indicted uh, as a sitting president because he heads up the executive branch. The executive branch does prosecutions, and if you arrest the president, you're basically arresting the head of the government. And then uh, there's an issue of, of um, U.S. v. Nixon, which is a, a case that happened back in the Richard Nixon thing where the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that uh, he had to give up his tapes. And so that's a subpoena power. So they say that uh, he could be looking at whether Robert Mueller, you know, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, if put on the bench, could be looking at whether uh, Robert Mueller could subpoena certain information from the president dur uh, during his time in office. So it's reasonable that the Supreme Court might be asked to uh, make some legal judgments. Uh, I don't know about reasonable, it's just it, within the realm of possibility, and right now there's just so much uh, that nobody knows exactly what's going to happen next with the Russia probe. I'm sure, you know, Robert Mueller knows what's, what's coming down the pipe, but how is the, what is he going to do? How is the Trump administration's legal team going to, re to respond? Um, where, you know, what is all the political wins going to do? There's, uh, are, is this going to be in state court or is it going to be in federal court? Is it going to be the president himself? Is it going to be his, you know, the Trump foundation or the Trump enterprise? Um, Trump, you know, Trump real estate? What, what's going to end up in court and how and in what position is just something that's, that's almost impossible to predict at this point. Okay. So assuming that the Democrats do not get the delay in the Kavanaugh hearings that they want, what questions are they planning to raise when they start on September 4th? Well, there is, uh, you know, I've been kind of keeping a list of how many of all the different issues that they're going to ask, and there are dozens, I would say. Uh, they, they, the two that they're mainly going to focus on are access to abortion and um, you know, health care. And these are the ones that they think that vulnerable Republic, Republicans on the other side who, who might have a chance of voting no, uh, these are the issues that might get them to, to vote no, particularly the uh, access to abortion two decisions, Roe v. Wade uh, and another one called Casey versus Planned Parenthood that have established the right to, uh, to an abortion for women. Uh, the, the groups on, the, on Democrats and the liberal side say that this is, could be under, in danger since Anthony Kennedy, the retiring justice, was on the side of uh, abortion access and Kavanaugh uh, has said things critical of, the, of those decisions in the past. So that makes them think that he could be the fifth vote to allow states to, to put in more restrictive access to abortion. But on the abortion issue, you had Susan Collins, the main Republican senator, a critical moderate here, um, saying that she had met with Kavanaugh and he had told her that abortion, Roe versus Wade, was settled law. Right, and settled law is going to be talked about quite a bit during this hearing, not only with Roe v. Wade, but a lot of other previous Supreme Court rulings that are contentious. Uh, but but the idea that something is settled law is sort of interesting in that, of course, everything that the Supreme Court has done is settled law because uh, if the Supreme Court has taken up a case and decided it, they've settled that particular issue. Now, if you look at the last term, there were a couple of things that uh, the Supreme Court did that unsettled settled law. For instance, uh, one of the things that Congress was really looking at was the uh, physical requirement for sales and use tax. So states like South Dakota and North Dakota wanted to char wanted to collect sales tax for for people like eBay and Amazon who were out of state, didn't have a physical presence, but they were losing millions of dollars a year. Congress had been trying to do something for 25 years and couldn't, and the Supreme Court said, "Well, you know what? We did a ruling 25 years ago about this physical presence. We don't really think that that it's good law anymore." So five five justices agreed, 5-4 decision, 
written by Justice Kennedy, struck it down. Uh, Chief Justice Roberts was on the other side of that case and said, this is not where we should be going. You know, the Supreme Court shouldn't be going out and making economic policies or taxation decisions. And so you, there's one instance where you have a settled law that was unsettled, and a lot of people think that could happen with Roe v. Wade. You're listening to the CQ on Congress podcast. My guest today is Todd Ruger, CQ's Supreme Court reporter, and we're talking about the upcoming confirmation hearings for Brett Kavanaugh, Donald Trump's pick to join the Supreme Court. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. So is there anything in Kavanaugh's judicial record, he's a federal appeals court judge right now, that Democrats will question? Uh, yeah, a lot. Uh, just staying on that topic, there was a, a, the Justice Department under the Trump administration was in a debate about uh, with the ACLU and, and uh, underage, a teenager who wanted an abortion, she was a legal immigrant in the custody of of the Justice Department, and that got to the to the D.C. Circuit where Kavanaugh sat, and uh, he was a dissenter, uh, and said that that the, you know did, wanted to deny this woman her ability to go or this teenager her ability to go get an abortion. Uh, he was in the minority, so he was overruled, and the teenager did go get an abortion. But that's sort of one of those glimpses into what might be his his judicial philosophy. And there there's more than 300 decisions, uh, all about privacy rights, all about uh, economic things, his ruling on net neutrality is one that, that could come up. Uh, and yet, at the same time, even though there's 300 cases he's weighed in on, uh, the ACLU did, did this sort of analysis of his rulings on civil rights, and there's a lot of unknowns, like how might he rule on certain things he's never actually ruled on. So there could be some questions about, about that, of voting rights, affirmative action, uh, gun, gun, gun control laws, stuff like that. Okay, and he also worked for Ken Starr, who was the special counsel investigating former President Bill Clinton during the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Is that going to figure in these hearings? Sure. You know, he's, he's, said, he's said a lot uh, over the course of the years about presidential power and, and investigating presidents, and the Democrats say he's flip-flopped depending on who's been in office. He was very critical of, of uh, President Clinton when he was in, in, you know, in part of that uh, investigation and then was more protective of of uh, the President Bush when he was in the administration, and so they they will want to know what is your true view on on presidents being investigated, and uh, how 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 that can go down. So, on which senators does Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hinge? Well, when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at the mathematics, uh, the math of the Senate of the Senate. Uh, right now it's 51-49, but John McCain is hasn't been voting, so it's really 50-49. So when you're from the from the Democratic standpoint, they need to hold all 49 Democrats and get at least one Republican to join them in order to defeat Kavanaugh's nomination. The two targets that they're looking at most are Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Again, based on this sort of women's rights, access to abortion. Both of them so, are favor abortion rights. Correct, but both of them voted for Neil Gorsuch, who was Trump's first nominee uh, to the bench, uh, who had, you know, mostly thought that he ha also had similar views on Roe v. Wade. Um, so, from the Democratic point standpoint, they're going to have to find some Republican who will vote no with them. Uh, from the Republican standpoint, they're going to be looking to pick off Democrats. There's three that are thought to be most vulnerable: Joe Donnelly in Indiana, Heidi Heitkamp from North Dakota, and uh, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. 
who, you know, if they pick up a couple of those, then they can lose a Republican and still be able to get Kavanaugh. Right. On the those, those Democratic senators are up for re-election in states that Trump won handily. John McCain, of course, announced today that he is not continuing his treatment for brain cancer, so the chances of him returning are, uh, I guess, non-existent. So Brett Kavanaugh, if he is to be confirmed to the Supreme Court, how does it change things on the court itself? He replaces Anthony Kennedy, the longtime swing justice. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan, but sided with the court's liberals on issues like abortion, affirmative action, and gay rights. How does Kavanaugh change it? Well, every time a new justice comes onto the bench, there's a whole new court, basically, is what legal experts will tell you. I mean, there's only nine people. The, the interactions between these nine people are, are all going to change. Uh, the, Kavanaugh's going to bring in his own views. So far, he's, he's only ruled uh, and been restricted by, well, the Supreme Court has already said this. Supreme Court has already said that. So those precedents, he now gets to set those precedents. So where he goes from there is unknown. But generally, it's thought that the Supreme Court will move to the right because Kennedy was a moderating force. Nobody knew exactly how he would come down on a lot of these most uh, controversial and contentious cases. With Kavanaugh, you have a sense that he's going to more solidly be a conservative, and therefore the new center of the court might be Chief Justice John Roberts, making him really uh, giving him a, a lot more power because not only does he have the power as the Chief Justice to do administrative things and to, to give more guidance towards how these cases actually get resolved, looking for consensus, uh, but now, if he's the swing vote, he'll really be able to shape the way that the court um, decides cases. Now, Roberts, uh, of course, voted in a Supreme Court case to protect the Affordable Care Act a few years back. But is there much evidence that he sides with the court's liberals otherwise? Um, well, was in the case that I mentioned earlier on the South Dakota uh, tax, uh, the, the interstate tax case, he sided with the liberal with three liberals in that one to dissent. Uh, he, you know, he, um, a lot of people say that what he's looking to do is protect the institution, the Supreme Court as an institution, because if the, if the Supreme Court looks to be too political, uh, then it loses its integrity. Uh, you know, people will lose confidence in it, uh, in terms of it being fair. He, he expressed during the, during the last term, this, this during, uh, about partisan gerrymandering case where he said, uh, you know, if we if we decide this particular case this way, then then everybody's going to come in and ask for these different cases, uh, different rulings. And if we start making decisions based on politics, then everybody's going to look at us and say, oh, th their decisions, they're just based on politics. And he's really guarding the, the reputation of the court to say we we as an institution, we're nonpartisan. Now, as you can see from this confirmation process, there's a lot of politics that go into it. A lot of people think the Supreme Court is political, but he's a guard, he's guarding against that. He doesn't want to do big sweeping changes uh, like the you know the Affordable Care Act. If the court had struck down the Affordable Care Act, it would have been uh, seen as a very anti-democratic you know uh, move because the there had been such a um, you know majority to get that that law passed. The Congress passed it, right. right? All right, thank you, Todd. We look forward to your reports on the hearings. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I am Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please, rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at CQNow or at RollCall.